Good morning, Mission View Church. My name is Andrew. I am the pastor of Student Ministries here, and uh, it is just great to be with you all this morning, uh, being able to gather. I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas yesterday. I uh, hope you got to spend it with family, friends, opening presents, just that time together. Um, most, most importantly, remembering the birth of our Savior, right? Reading uh, especially like chapters like Luke chapter 2 and being reminded of that story and just worshiping God um, for the incarnation, right? For Emmanuel, God with us, and the beauty that that is for us. So I hope that yesterday was just a great day, um, remembering those things, celebrating, thanking God, worshiping Him, and doing it with family. Uh, and this time of year, sometimes we have a little bit more time off. Sometimes we have a little bit more time to think and reflect. Um, so maybe that's time with family, whatever it is, but we also have hobbies, right? We, everyone's got a hobby that they like to do, we enjoy doing, right? It's the thing that we do to fill our extra time, to retreat to for enjoyment, right? Sometimes it's reading a book on a couch or researching a topic that we're really into at the moment or watching a movie. Some of us have many hobbies while others of us just have like one thing that is our thing that we do all the time. It's our go-to. Maybe it's golf or a house project or exercising to clear our minds. A lot of us will just have that hobby at that moment and focus on it. And maybe we'll be interested in something else in the future, but this is what we're interested in right now. It's what we focus on right now. If you're a parent and you have kids in sports, you know what that is, right? Whenever they're in baseball or softball season, that is that season of your life. You're at every game, so many games a week. We focus in on whatever that hobby is, that activity is, and we do it. But this morning, I want us to refocus, right? I want us to refocus as we are entering the new year, recentering our lives on Christ as we end 2021 and look to 2022. Believe it or not, this is the last Sunday of the year. So it is the last time we will gather here this year. See you next week, but that'll be next year. So as some of us look at 2021 and think of it ending, some of us think of all the great memories we had of this past year. Others of us will look at 2021 and think of all of the the hard, hardships, the hard times. And we're really ready for a new year. But when we focus on our thing, our hobby that we really like to do, or the many hobbies that we really like to do, we should be trying to do them in a way that has an eternal impact, right? Not just for here and now, not just merely having a nice dinner out or going but, but doing something that can have an eternal impact, doing something that matters not only for today, but for eternity, not only for this world, but for eternity with God, right? Allowing our efforts to be used by God in a way to touch the hearts of other people, to change our heart closer to Christ, allowing our schedules to be altered just briefly so that we can notice others more, be more mission-minded, and serve people in the name of Christ and witness to them and show them the love that we've received from Christ, right? Doing this sort of thing, being reminded of this takes refocusing. We are to live our lives in a way that f focuses on the eternal hope that we have, right? Live your life in a way that focuses on your eternal hope. So often, this is done by just being intentional with what we're doing, right? It's done by following the Holy Spirit moving in your heart having conversations that cause someone to think just a little bit more about God, managing our resources in a way that is God-centered. It's living our way, 
our life in a way that focuses on that eternal hope that we have in Christ. Would you guys pray with me? Father, thank you so much uh, for today. Thank you that we get to gather, that we get to sing praises to you. Um, Lord, the day after Christmas, uh, we still can't help but think about Christmas. Lord, thank you so much for sending Jesus into this world. He left so much. You left so much to come down here and to restore our relationship with you, a relationship that we broke. Um, but your love for us is just incredible, Lord. I pray that you would just show us that love, that we would re be reminded of that love, and you would just touch our hearts in that way and help us to refocus our thoughts, our minds, uh, as we enter the new year in a, so that we can do it and live our lives in a way that has a, a better impact and we can better serve you and love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we read our text this morning, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to be picking up right after Paul has been telling the church in Philippi that they, that they can't do anything to earn their salvation. Right? Paul is saying, hey church, you can't do anything to earn your salvation, but rather we can only be saved through faith in what Christ has done for us. So after Paul makes that point, Paul continues in verse 12, Philippians 3, starting in verse 12. Let's read it together. Not that, I, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your, mind, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory is their shame. With minds set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to, to subject all things to himself. I love reading the, the book of Philippians. I think it's such an encouraging book. It's a book that really just um, lifts us up, uh, remi reminds us on who Christ is. But as we take a look at that, the first little part there in verse 12, what we kind of see is that we are secure in Christ, right? We are secure in Christ. The verses right before this, Paul's speaking of all of his accomplishments, right? He was the best Pharisee, right? That's kind of like us being like the best Christian, he lists his resume in the first part of chapter 3, and he's got everything, right? He's valedictorian. He's done all of the right things. He's said all of the right things. He's even got the right bloodline. And he's a prime example of a, of a religious elitist. It's kind, of like, it's kind of like someone who never misses church and is always serving and doing and saying the right things, who reads their Bible every day and prays every day. Paul is describing the kind of guy that when he stubs his toe, holds his tongue every time, right? The list of Paul's accomplishments could go on and on. But what Paul says here is that 
all of those accomplishments, all of the awesome things that he has done for God have gotten him nowhere, right? Everything he thought he had to do to put him in the best place to have success, to achieve his goals, it all got him nowhere, right? Paul isn't perfect enough, even though he was the best Pharisee who was always doing and saying the right things. Paul actually says this in Philippians 3, verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Paul says that he is not perfect, but Christ has made him perfect. And that's true for us too, right? We are not perfect, but Christ has made us perfect. We see our sin. We know we are not perfect, but Jesus makes us perfect before God. But Paul doing all of these good things, these truly admirable acts, he did nothing for his own security, right? He didn't do anything to be secure in his relationship with Christ on his own. It's not that Paul never sins anymore or that he's now so wise, but Paul lists all of his accomplishments to show that he is not made perfect by what he has done. He is made perfect by what has been done for him. It's that he is perfect because Jesus' blood paid for Paul's sins. Jesus' blood has paid for, for my sins and for your sins. This is one of those principles that is so foundational to what we believe, but sometimes, sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our minds around, right? That Jesus did it entirely for us, that we didn't do anything to earn our salvation. But this is an issue of sanctification, right? Paul's been saying in the first part of Philippians 3, he's been saying, I am, and then he goes on, and he, but he does this because he sees in his life that he's not everything that he should be. He says, I am righteous in verse 9. But he sees in his life that even keeping the Old Testament law to a T left him nowhere, right? It left him with pride in his heart. It still left him in a place where he thought it was right to kill Christians before he became a Christian himself. Sanctification is something we grow in our entire lives. Holiness is something we grow in our entire lives, but it's also something that Jesus does to us and for us. Philippians 3, 12 I'll re- reread it. It says, not, Paul, Paul is talking here, and he says, not that I have already obtained this, not that I have already obtained Christ's perfection, or that I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Paul tried to be secure in his faith through achieving, through doing all the right things, to have success, to look like he had it all together, but it didn't work. We can't do it, but Christ can. As a youth pastor, sometimes students will come to me or one of, other, our, one of the other leaders that we have in, in the youth ministry here at Mission View, and they'll ask for like a letter of recommendation, right? They'll ask for, for letters of recommendations for colleges, for jobs, for scholarships, whatever else it might be. And those letters often like have the student write out um, their, the things that they're involved in, activities, Um, awards they've gotten, things like that. And I was recently asked to kind of fill something out for a student that kind of had all this, and I I was looking through what the student had to do. I just had to like sign something real, real fast, but I was looking through what the instructions were for the student. What did the student have to do to 
fill out the scholarship to get this, uh, this award. And the, the paper basically said, hey, list everything, right? List everything you do, list all the activities you're in, list everything you do with your church, your community, at school, list everything, right? And that's kind of normal for some of these, these paperwork scholarship things that you fill out. But what, what I saw next kind of caught my eye. After it said, basically, like, tell us how great you are, it says, do not be modest, right? Do not be modest in telling us how great you are on this form for a scholarship, right? And, and for a scholarship, that kind of makes sense, right? But that's a weird thing for us to be asked, right? List everything. Don't be modest about all of your achievements and all that you've done, right? Feels kind of weird to us. It's kind of like saying, how great are you? And then being like, oh, well, I'll tell you how great I am. I'm really great because of these things. Some of us have some pretty good lists of achievements. If we were filling out a form like that, it would be pretty easy for us. And we, we could look at it and think, wow, I've done a lot of awesome things. I have a lot of things going for me. Paul's resume was good, but it wasn't perfect. God doesn't want a good resume. He doesn't want a good list of achievements or things that we've done. He wants a perfect one. And if yours isn't perfect, then we are like Paul, right? We are in need of Christ. Verse 12 says, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ made me his own. Make it my own here in verse 12, what it means is it means to obtain, to grab hold of, to possess, to have Christ's perfection, right? It's because we can grab hold of Christ's perfection that, and be one with him that we have this security in Christ, right? Not, not because of what we've done, because we can never be good enough, but because of what Christ has already done for us. That we aren't worried about how before we were a Christian, when we were walking totally against God, we were worried about if God would forgive us, right? We know we need to be forgiven, but we know that Christ has. He does when we put our faith in him. Our security in Christ reminds us that Jesus died for us while we were sinners, not after we got our lives together. But the language of verse 12 is kind of interesting. I press on to make it my own, to make it my own, right? We already said that this is grabbing hold of Christ, right? And knowing him and having this deep relationship with him. But let me tell you what this doesn't mean, right? Making it my own here, does not mean we can pick and choose what part of Christ we want in our lives, right? It doesn't mean we get to morph him or adapt him into our lives so we can just continue on the path we're on, right? Put a little Jesus here, a little Sunday morning here. It doesn't mean that. It means, it means much more than that, right? This isn't the local buffet where you can just go, go through and pick, pick what parts of Jesus you want on your plate. It's like raising canes where that's just what they have, right? You get Jesus. We need Jesus, but this verse, when it says, make it your own, this doesn't mean change him. This doesn't mean just put him a little bit in your life. It means make him your everything. Grab hold of him. Cling to him. Make him your everything by claiming him as your savior and letting him flip your life upside down. Right? Even, even the parts where the, that are hard, that don't feel comfortable to us, we need Jesus to change those in our lives. Paul was a prime candidate for any religious endeavor. But even he saw that he needed to grab hold of Jesus and hold on to him 
and be one with him, right? We are secure in Christ. But if we try to find our peace and rest in our accomplishments, that's going to leave us restless and empty. If we try to change Jesus to make him what we want him to be rather than what we need, we have no security. With it being the end of the Christmas season, I think a lot of us probably have watched more movies the past month than we usually do, right? It's the time of year where you watch those Christmas movies. Maybe you guys have a a classic one that your family watches every year, whatever that movie might be. But I feel like this is the time of year where a lot of people start watching Hallmark movies, right? And Hallmark movies, you either love them or you hate them, and I, and I get that. But in those movies, there's, they're, they're very predictable, right? They're very predictable. Every one of them has basically the same plot, right? There's this guy and this girl, and one might be in a big city, but of course they don't meet there. They meet in a small town, right? And from five minutes into the movie, you know how it's going to end. You might not know exactly how it's going to get there, but you pretty much know how it's going to end, Right? You might love these movies, you might hate these movies, but the draw of them is that they're feel-good movies, right? They're predictable, they're optimistic, they're heartwarming. It brings a level of security as we sit on the couch and watch it. We know what's going to happen. We know it's not going to be this crazy thing that's going to make us rethink everything. There's no surprises. There's no suspense. There's just peace. But the Christian life isn't a Hallmark movie. We do have security in Christ, but sometimes it's the type of security we have like in a harness as you're hanging off of a cliff, right? We know we're safe, but it doesn't always feel easy. It's not like a Hallmark movie. But Christ invites us to press on toward him, to grow in holiness, grow in sanctification, to start wherever we are and see that we actually have Christ who makes us perfect and secure. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of everything that he has done. It's not always easy and smooth, but it's what we need. Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? We work out our salvation with fear and trembling by growing in sanctification, in holiness. By letting the results of the gospel not only transform our standing before God, but also bring a perpetual thirst and longing to know him more and more. Recognizing the reverence of God, but also the love of God. Paul talks about pressing forward into a greater relationship with Christ Because that's where we find our security. We might have a great Christian resume of service and love, but that's just the overflow of the love that we have from him. That is just what comes out when we know Jesus and and serve him. We are secure in Christ. The next thing that I think we can see in this text here in Philippians 3 is that we are to be forward-looking people. We are to be forward-looking people. Philippians 3.13 continues and says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made, made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, 
God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Right? Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, this does not mean that the past doesn't matter. Right? It doesn't, it, he isn't saying that the past doesn't matter. What Paul is saying is that your past mistakes are forgiven. Right? Don't dwell in the past and miss the present. He's reminding us that we can't change the past, but we can change the future. Right? So he's calling us here to be forward-looking people. But I want to take a minute just to talk about the past. Right? When we look back and dwell in the past, sometimes this could be for good things or, or for bad things in the past. So often, looking back is the same as going back. And it can be harmful to our spiritual growth. Luke 9, 61 and 62 shows Jesus making this point. When Jesus is asked, it says, and it says this, Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus here is, is talking about the cost of discipleship and how looking back can paralyze us and keep us there way too long. A couple chapters later in the book of Luke, Jesus makes this point again in Luke 17, and he's, he's basically talking about how we need to be ready for Christ to come back, and, and we're supposed to be excited about this, right? He says, don't go looking around at the stuff you're leaving, but look ahead to me, right? Be forward-looking people. And in Luke 17, he even references Lot's wife. If you remember that story from Genesis, Lot's wife turned around and looked back, at Sodom and Gomorrah was turned into a pillar of salt, right? Dwelling on the past can cause us to miss what God has for us right now. That being said, there are times where we do need to look back, right? Some of us may have gone through trauma or pain, and we need to work through that, maybe with a counselor or someone that we trust. So there are times where looking back is, is, is needed. Even in the Bible, the past was, was important. It is always important, not as a place to stay and dwell forever, but as a place that helps us remember the goodness of God, right? We do this with holidays, like Christmas was just yesterday. Yesterday, we, we worshiped God. We, we were reminded, we remembered the birth of Christ, right? That's a past event. That's something that happened in the past that is super important for us to remember, to praise God for. We do it with Easter, with Thanksgiving. Even the Israelites in the Bible did this, they had several feasts and celebrations that were actually instituted by God, right? Not by them, but God said, practice these things. And they did it every year, and it, was, it pointed them back to God to, to remind them of what God has done in their past and to remind them that he is still working in their lives in the future. But that's kind of the difference. It's using the past to be forward-looking people is what Paul is talking about in this text. We also need to be, we need to remember why we are forward-looking people. Verse 13 says, to strain toward what lies ahead. We strain toward what lies ahead because what lies ahead is glorious, right? But when we think of straining, you might think of like lifting weights, right? It's, it's not always the most enjoyable experience. Sometimes it's, it's painful, it hurts a little bit, right? That's what straining is. But what lies ahead is as what verse 14 states, it says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
That is what is ahead, Christ Jesus. This is referring to the future resurrection that we have as a result of knowing Christ. That just as Christ rose from the dead, we too know that we will one day rise from the dead and be with him forever. And that's Paul's point here. He's saying, yes, you might not know what the next 20, 30, 40 years look like on this earth for you. That might be ambiguous. We don't have all the pieces together, and that's okay. But we do know what's after that. We know what our eternity looks like, because our eternity is with Christ. That part is not ambiguous. That is where our hope is. That's what we're supposed to be looking forward to. Paul is saying, grab hold of that, that hope. Grab hold of Christ. Know him. Make him to be the one that we focus on, that we refocus on. And you make, we make our plans for him. And as we are straining forward, we are to make our days now have an impact for eternity. Right? We don't, we don't look forward. We don't look toward the goal for the prize, to use the language of Paul, and then stop moving. Right? We don't stop moving as we're looking. We keep going. We're to be forward-looking people who move forward. Allie and I love hiking. It's one of our, our favorite things to do together. We love just driving somewhere far away and hiking because hiking around here is more like walking. You guys probably know what I'm talking about. It's like, oh, a nice little walk today. But we love like hiking, like going to the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, Rockies would be great. It's just you can't drive there. Um, but we love doing things like that and getting somewhere where bigger hills or mountains and just getting in the woods, hiking, doing those things. And when I'm hiking, I usually want to find a trail that is going to lead me somewhere cool, right? It's really boring to go in a circle and to see a tree. So I either want to go down like a mountain to a waterfall, or I want to go up to get a great view, right? And usually I think I probably do the view one, right? I, I go up the mountain for the view. And when you're going up a mountain or a big hill, sometimes it hurts, right? Because sometimes it's just like steps, and you don't want to know how many flights of steps you've done that day. But when you get to the mountain top, you get to see the creativity of God, right? You get this beautiful view, this beautiful sky, and it's, it's amazing, right? But as, as you're standing on top of a mountain looking at a view when you go on a hike, you're looking forward and you're enjoying that, but you're not moving, right? You're standing still and enjoying it. Another place that sometimes you can get a view like that is in a car, right? Maybe you're driving to a mountain and you're driving up the hills to go up the mountain, and that can also, you can look out the window and see a beautiful view without going up and hiking. But sometimes in a car, you know, you might get car sick. Or sometimes even as you're approaching a mountain, the mountain feels so far away, right? It's kind of more boring, but sometimes you get sick. And it's not always great to be in the car through mountainous roads. Both hiking to a mountaintop to see a, a view or seeing a view from a car, both have us looking forward at something pretty great. They both really do. But in the Christian life, we are in the car, not on the mountain, right? We are not standing still looking toward eternity with Christ. We are moving toward eternity with Christ. We are moving in our lives, not just saying, staying still in this comfortable little bubble, but we are going outside of that, forward-looking people who are working forward, who are moving forward. But if we are looking forward and living in a way that has us moving towards Christ, we are to continually refocus on eternal things. We are to continually refocus 
on eternal things. Paul continues in Philippians 3, 17. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory is their shame with mindset on eternal things or on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Right, this is the time of year, end of December, where we do step back and reflect. We step back and look at the past year, look at 2021, and we ask ourselves, how was it, right? Were we just surviving through the year or were we thriving through the year? Did we accomplish our goals or did we come up short? But no matter how the past year was for you, all of us need to refocus, right? And we don't just do this in end of December with New Year's resolutions and things like that. We should be doing this all the time right? Picking up our cross daily and walking with Christ. Seems to be a regular thing. Paul calls us to live with purpose here as we look toward heaven. But he also warns us of people who might twist the gospel, who might take the name of Jesus and change who he is, right? And there are always distractions in our lives. We are so oversaturated with, with noise in our culture, whether it's with music or podcasts or videos. We take in so much, and sometimes we can get disoriented by just filling our heads with all the noise. We get preoccupied and make goals that are about us rather than making goals that are about God. That's why in verse 17, Paul says, keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Right? Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. All of us have role models, people we look up to. In Ignite, the student ministries at Mission View, we pretty regularly remind our upperclassmen, high school students, our juniors, our seniors, we remind them that, hey, remember when you were in middle school, right? Those middle schoolers, they're looking up to you because right now our program is 6th through 12th grade. So we know that all those middle school students are looking up to those awesome juniors and seniors, right? It's just a normal thing that we all do that, that high school and middle school students do, but I think that some of that is true for all of us, right? We all have role models. We all have people that we look up to, that we respect. But the crazy thing about this passage is that Paul is saying, Paul is saying, hey, look at me. Look at how I live my life. Look at what I value. Look at how I spend my time, my money. And then he says, follow my example. Paul says, join in imitating me. When we think about our lives, would we want other people to look at our example as an example that they should follow for their life? If people were to look at your life and follow your your example, what path would you be leading them down? Paul says, join in imitating me because he's doing everything he can to reflect Christ, right? He doesn't want people to be looking at him and think, wow, Paul's really got a lot going for him. Paul's a great guy. No, he wants people to be looking at him and seeing Christ working in his life. 
He sees, Paul sees his need for Jesus. But he sees Jesus working in his life. He, he feels the joy and the peace of knowing God, and he feels it so much that he's content even to write this letter as he's in prison for sharing the gospel. He's, he's focusing on Jesus and, and on an eternity with him, even in terrible situations. So as we enter into a new year, 2022, focus on eternal things. It can be kind of fun sometimes to make New Year's resolutions. But as we think of our goals for next year, we should reevaluate them. We should check them. Check to see how much value they have in this earth right now or how much value they have for an impact for the kingdom of God. Right? Are our goals goals that make us financially secure or goals that make us secure in Christ? Are they goals that are looking forward or goals that are looking backward? Are they goals that have an, an impact on your life right now only or goals that have an impact for the kingdom of God for eternity? This is just a natural time of year to think, to process, to reevaluate. And as we refocus and try to center our lives on Christ and make our goals come from him, we need to refocus our goals. Paul says our citizenship is in heaven, right? I don't want to have my goals be so small that I'm acting like what we have right now is the best that we're ever going to have because heaven's going to be so much better than what we have right now, right? Sometimes we can be children who are satisfied with a brick when there's a playground right next door. We need to refocus our goals to make them have, have eternal value, to keep the main goal serving Christ, that doesn't have to mean that we, we need to radically change our goals. It just means that we need to refocus our thoughts, right? Think, think through why our goals are what they are. Is Christ at the center of them? Is Christ still our main goal? Knowing him more, sharing him with our lives. So often in the Christian life, there are things that are, are fine for us to do as long as we do them with the right reasons, as long as our heart is pure in them. But if our reasons behind our goals are selfish, maybe we need new goals, or at least new reasons, new desires behind the goals that we have for the upcoming year. But we also need to refocus our hope. We refocus our hope because our hope is in eternal things. There is hope in this world, right? But it's a very different kind of hope than the hope we have for eternity. I hope that the Browns make the playoffs this year, right? But that is more of a wish, a want. It might happen, it might not. But the hope we have in Christ is a very different kind of hope. It's not a hope that is circumstantial. It's a hope that is definite. And it's a hope that is final. It's a hope that will happen. We are confident in the hope we have in Christ. It is a hope that will happen. Paul says, in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, but our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform your lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Right, our citizenship is in heaven because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. We celebrated the birth of Jesus yesterday. What an amazing, incredible act of love, right? That God would 
would leave heaven to come down to take an earthly body and be like us. What love that is when we totally did not deserve it, right? But it, his, God's love for us didn't stop there. Jesus goes on and, and never sins, has a, a ministry on this earth, has, has a big following, and then is tortured, beaten, whipped, and ultimately crucified on a cross because of our sins. The ultimate act of love, dying for us, taking the punishment that we deserve because of our rebellion against God. He does it because he loves us. And when we put our faith in him, our citizenship is in heaven. We are saved by the blood of Christ. Nothing that we can do to contribute to that at all. Our hope is in Christ because just as Jesus defeated death and rose from the dead, we too will be given new bodies and be with him forever. We have this hope because Jesus, Jesus is coming back. So let us focus on what Christ has done in the past and how he's coming again in the future. But let us also not miss out on what God is doing in our lives, in our communities right now. We aren't sitting still waiting for eternity with Christ. We are moving forward as we anxiously await for his return. We are on mission to share that good news with everyone else until he returns. We, we are to live our lives in a way that focus on our eternal hope. Let's make that our mission. Let's refocus on Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your love and the grace that you give each of us. How you love each and every one of us. You want us to, to know you more. You want us to go deeper in a relationship, whether we have one with you or, or, or not yet, Lord. But you want to know us. You care about us. And our citizenship is in heaven, Lord, because of what you've done for us. As we think about 2022 and make goals for the new year, things that we want to try to accomplish, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you just help us to check those goals. I pray that they're, they're, they are goals that have an eternal purpose in mind. That we're not living for this earth, but we're living for you. Thank you for your love and the grace that you give to us as we try to serve you the best we can. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.